You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. We are a day late this week, and I apologize for that. I was at the U.S. Open. I will be back at the U.S. Open on Sunday. But it is a three-hour commute for me to get out there, and so I haven't had time to record a podcast. So that is that is the life of, of a freelance media person. I, I go where the work is, and luckily, um, I have you guys and girls and an audience that I, that I get to share this microphone with a couple times every week, and so I wanted to make sure that uh, schedule-wise... I had to make some accommodations, but I still wanted to get on here and talk because I know that Packer fans are excited after what came out of minicamp, and not just because Mike McCarthy said this was the best offseason they've ever had, or because the the defensive players seem really excited about Mike Pettin and what he's doing, but because this is, as I said before camp, an important touchstone for these young players. And it's important that we discuss it. It's important that we understand moving forward what this means for the team because there is a lot of optimism and a lot of excitement. And I wanted to start with the rookie receivers because Devontae Adams was very complimentary was very complimentary of Jamon Moore from Missouri, a guy that we hadn't heard much about in um, OTAs, in rookie camp. But he played... Very well in minicamp, made some plays. He had a he had a long, he had a forty yard touchdown pass. Well, he had a, he caught the ball. He didn't throw it, and that's great. And and it's it's good for the players to look physically capable of handling their assignments. There and there have been moments for all of these rookie receivers where their physical attributes have been singled out by their coaches as being exceptional, or they've specifically made plays. Equinemia St. Brown had a couple touchdowns. Jamon Moore drew the praise of Devontae Adams. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling was was singled out by the coaches as, as someone with extreme physical gifts, someone who was explosive at the line of scrimmage and could get in and out of breaks and, and could theoretically get open. And with his big body could be a threat in this offense. And that's all well and good. And you should be excited about that. I'm never going to tell you don't be excited about that. But but understand this, okay? It is just minicamp. And I, I, don't, I don't mean that to diminish what minicamp is, but understand what minicamp is. There is no press coverage. There's no hitting. There's no tackling. And so that changes things. And it's not just press coverage because not every team plays press. Although a lot of teams 
do against Green Bay specifically because of the kind of offense they run and the timing and the precision that the offense requires. As I've said many times on this show, the teams that tend to be most successful defensively against Green Bay are the teams that play press man coverage because Green Bay over the last few years have has not had a stable of receivers who can get open against press man. Jordy Nelson could a little bit pre-injury because of his speed, but even that, Jordy was never a guy who liked to be pressed. There are some receivers, big physical guys. Julio Jones is like, I dare you to press me. Odo Beckham Jr., because of his explosiveness and, and dynamic ability with his speed, is like, please, come press me because I will torch you. Well, Jordy never really had the strength or the foot quickness initially to get off press like that. He, he really didn't like being pressed. And Devontae Adams is a guy who you just, you can't press him because his, his feet are too quick. He has gotten much stronger at the point of attack. And so you, you can't bully him. He can get open. He can against press coverage. Randall Cobb, it's hard to press in the slot, but against man coverage, Randall Cobb does not consistently get open anymore. And so Green Bay needed players who could do that. But but my point is, in minicamp, we don't know because it changes once a guy can get up in your face and not let you get a free release into your route. And that's something that rookies have to get used to because a lot of college teams don't play press. And a lot of college corners aren't very good at it. And and to take it a step further, NFL corners are bigger, stronger, faster. You're going to see guys every week who are as good as that Ohio State secondary last year or two years ago when it had Ward, Lattimore, Malik Hooker, all those NFL players. That was an incredible college secondary. Okay, that's the secondary now that you're going to see every week. And maybe it maybe not even quite because Denzel Ward, first round pick, Gary and Conley, first round pick, Marshall Lattimore, first round pick, Malik Hooker, first round pick. There are plenty of defenses, Green Bay's included, that doesn't have a secondary that is that talented. Now, Green Bay, Kevin King, potential first round talent, Alexander and Jackson, potentially first round talents, they were to me. So maybe, but a lot of a lot of teams don't have secondaries that good. But so the point is now, not just the press part, but the ability to be hit. There's a difference in running a slant or a crossing route when no one can touch you versus when the pads are on. And now if you don't make the throw in the right window as the quarterback and as a receiver, you suddenly have to be aware of where that safety is. Or where that linebacker is. Maybe you alligator arms one. Maybe you hear those footsteps. You don't have to hear those in minicamp because no one can hit you. Now, every receiver has this sort of internal spatial awareness body clock that says, okay, if I don't make this catch here or or there, I know who's coming. And it, it is built into your muscle memory. But we won't know for sure 
how good these receivers are until we see them with pads on. Joe Philbin talked about that. Devontae Adams talked about that. Even as they were praising these receivers. I mean, Joe Philbin said, one of the things we're all looking forward to is watching them when training camp rolls around the preseason. Can they get open in a game against tight coverage? There's not a ton of press coverage right now. Can they make plays with guys around them? Can they catch in traffic? Can they catch with a guy hanging on them? Can they extend and reach out and really pluck the ball and finish plays? It's one thing to know the routes, and that is important. Remember, go back to the show I did at the beginning of the week. Do they know what they're doing? That's the first thing. And the second thing is, do they look the part athletically? If they look fluid, if they're playing fast, that's key. And if they know the offense, that's key number two. And now this is the next step in the development process. Now they have to go prove it in actual coverage, in live situations, because that is a very different beast. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. I want one of my listeners to win this, and that means getting some more entries in the mix. That we we are you are competing across the entire Locked On Podcast Network, which is dozens of shows. So the more reviews that we have for Locked On Packers, the more likely we are to get a Locked On Packers winner. I want one of those and you should too because if you win, you get a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. Gets you access to player grades, fantasy football information. Those fantasy football drafts are coming up soon. So get the best data available. Data all 32 teams in the NFL use. Get the data the pros use for free by putting your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. This receiver conversation dovetails into a conversation that comes up, it seems like, once a week on Packers Twitter and is a common discussion among Packer fans, and that is, can Trevor Davis make this team as just a punt returner? And we've had this discussion before, but now that we've seen these Packers receivers and see that all three of them have... Tremendous physical ability, which we we sort of already knew, but we, we wanted to see it on an actual NFL field against other NFL players. But now that we know that these receivers are legitimately talented, we have to start asking about how this receiver room is going to shake out and what that means for the players already on the roster. And that leads us to this Trevor Davis question. Can he be a receiver on the Packers. And that is, to me, the only question that matters. Because Green Bay won a Super Bowl without much at, at returner. And Micah Hyde, he, he was an excellent punt returner in terms of his ability to break big plays, and he had some dyna- dynamic ability in him. But he was not a play-to-play big-time threat. Randall Cobb, could be put back there, and fair catch every single punt. And I don't think it would negatively affect this offense at all. They have Aaron Rodgers, and they have a very talented offense. So why hold a roster spot for a player who is a return specialist? What is the value of that? And what is the value of that if he is not 
Devin Hester, Tyreek Hill, big-time return-level talent. And he's not. He, he had a couple nice returns, but he also had a couple boneheaded decisions, fair catching inside the five, or trying to return some inside the 10 that he had no business trying to make a play on. And I understand him wanting to make a play. I said this at the time, I never want to fault a player for trying to make a play, but there are also times when you have to balance that against the reward. There is a risk-reward proposition here, and, and that is emblematic of Trevor Davis, the player on this roster. And, and it's not a risk per se, but it is a value proposition here. Is, is it worth the risk of having to cut another player who could contribute in a meaningful way versus the reward of whatever Trevor Davis brings relative to the other players at, at the potential position on this team? And so how much better does Trevor Davis have to be as a punt returner to outweigh the fact that he is not an NFL receiver to this point that we have seen? And because he's hurt, we haven't seen him in camp. And if that goes much longer, remember when we talked pre-OTAs about the players who had the most to prove in camp, we talked about Geronimo Allison and Trevor Davis. They need to hold off these receivers because clearly Green Bay is not satisfied with what they have there. If Trevor Davis is going to make this team as a punt returner only, then he has to be one of the three or four best returners in the league. And he's just not. At at least we haven't seen him to be that. If we go into the preseason and Trevor Davis returns like two punts for touchdowns and has a kickoff return that he takes 60 yards and, and he looks like a threat every time he touches the ball, okay, then we can have a conversation about that. If he can't be one of the four or five best receivers on this team, then he can't be on this team. There's too much value in having these three rookies. I don't care where they were drafted, four, five, six. I don't care. They're better receivers. That's the only thing I care about. Who is the better player at the position? Because the difference in Trevor Davis returning punts and Jair Alexander returning punts, something he did in college, or Jamon Moore returning punts, something he did in college, or Marquez Valdez-Scantling hasn't been given the opportunity but could do it, I think, given the chance. Hell, I'd rather have Quentin Rollins given the chance to return punts and maybe he can give you something in that in that dime or, or you know, cornerback five, six role. And you know, I... I Long-time listeners of this show know I don't think Quentin Rollins is an NFL cornerback. But if he can give them something in the return game, he is a veteran. He is he is a former top 100 pick. Give him a chance to make this team. Because corner is a position that is a little bit lighter in terms of the depth. Because I don't, I don't think Josh Hawkins is anything. Now I like Lindsey Pipkins. But maybe Rollins, who was a playmaker in college, can give you something. I don't, I don't love that either. I frankly, if I were running this team and I, I had control of the 53-man roster, I don't think either of those two guys would be on it for me. And I think it would be an upset if both make the team. I would be, I would be very surprised if both make the team. I wouldn't be surprised if, if either single one made the team. But I would be very surprised if both, and and if it were me, like I said, I don't think either would make the team for me. 
I like the other guys at corner that Green Bay has. I like Lindsey Pipkins. Obviously, I like the rookies. We've, we've been through this discussion. Trevor Davis is not better relative to what the options are. Throw, throw, like I said, put Randall Cobb back there and let him fair catch every play. And let's just move on. It's, it's worth it to me to have that extra spot for the extra backup offensive lineman or to have and make sure I get all these corners on the team or all these receivers on the team, guys who are actually receivers, not guys who technically play receiver but are really just punt returners. Hell, I said put Ty Montgomery back there. I would love that. If I were running this team, that would be who is returning kickoffs for me, who is returning punts for me because based on what we saw in OTAs and minicamp, Green Bay really wants Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams to be legitimate parts of this offense. So if Ty Montgomery is nothing more than an ancillary piece, even if if he is a complimentary piece in an important way. He's clearly not so critical to this offense that you can't risk the extra hits of putting him out on kick returns or punt returns. So do that. He he was uh, the best return man in college football when he was at Stanford. Give him a shot. Put him back there. Let's see what he has to offer. There are too many options for Green Bay to say Trevor Davis can make this team as a punt returner only if he can't give you something in receiver. If he if he beats out all these other receivers and tr- if he looks great in training camp and he clearly outplays more and EQ and Valdez Scantling, listen, tip of the cap, you earn your spot on this roster. And Green Bay has to figure out what they have to figure out, but you have a player who proved that he belongs on the team. He has to prove that at receiver or be so incredible as a returner that Green Bay simply has to keep him on their team as a returner only. I just don't see, frankly, I don't see either of those happening. You are listening to Locked On Packers on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Be sure to catch up on everything around the NFL with Locked On NFL, and as the NBA draft approaches with Locked On NBA. We're going to talk about the defense a little bit uh, next week, next episode, because there was a lot to get to, and, and I just I wanted to do an offensive show, sort of offensive takeaways from minicamp, and then defensive takeaways. And so we're going to talk about accountability, Mike Patton, and, and what has really been a very impressive performance from the defense so far in this offseason. But the last little bit I wanted to get to here was Jason Spriggs, because he has added weight, and he wants to start. And we don't know where Brian Bulaga is going to be, what the situation is with his health. It looks like he's going to start training camp on the PUP, which means he may not be ready for opening day. He may not be ready to be the Packers' starting right tackle. And one of the big problems that Spriggs has had is he's just a little undersized. And that's not the only problem that he's had. He's had some issues moving laterally. But you can deal with some deficiencies as a lateral mover if you also show power. The problem for Jason Spriggs is that lateral quickness, but if he can be a force in the run game, which is what you really want from a right tackle, at least that has been the conventional wisdom for a long time, and and it matters less now because of the proliferation of spread and the way teams play, your left tackle and right tackle are essentially interchangeable, but most teams still play right-handed. 
and they like to run the ball to the right side, and Green Bay likes to run the ball to the right side because Brian Bulaga is a very good run blocker. Now, he's also the best pass-blocking right tackle in the league when he's healthy, but this is one reason why it's great to get Mercedes Lewis because Green Bay wants to play out of a lot of two tight end sets, and if you have someone like Lewis who can at least give help, can chip or whatever it needs to be, if Jason Spriggs has to start a couple games, he has that ability with added strength to be a force in the running game. And then if he needs a little bit of help in the passing game, Green Bay can give that. I would like to see Spriggs win that job, but he has to go win it. I, I was I was arguing with a, with a friend in the Packers media about Jason Spriggs versus Kyle Murphy and who looked better, who looked worse last year. There were times when Spriggs looked pretty bad. The Panthers made him look silly. But he also, there were other games where he held up remarkably well. And early in the season, Kyle Murphy was terrible. Awful. And and to me, I thought Spriggs looked better last year. And remember, Kyle Murphy was playing because Spriggs was hurt. And so that's going to be a battle to watch as we move into training camp once the pads come on. All right, we'll be back on Monday with a show we're going to talk about the Packers' defense and, and some of the things we learned about it com- coming out of minicamp, some things we're going to look forward to moving toward training camp. But we have a month off, and so we're going to have a lot of things to discuss moving forward, a lot of ideas, and I think the defense is going to be the center of a lot of those discussions. So keep an eye out for all of that. Remember, Acme Packing Company is rolling out all kinds of content right now. We're, we're moving through a list of the top 10 plays of 2017 and and it was actually surprisingly fun to go through because there were a lot of great plays and there were more from the non-Aaron Rodgers part of the season than I remembered multiple walk-off wins I mean there was some legitimate excitement I think it's easy to forget there were some legitimately fun plays and legitimately fun games despite the fact that that Green Bay lost some I mean that that Packers Steelers game was awesome We're going to be rolling through those plays. I'll be writing about some of them as we move forward. So keep an eye on AcmePackingCompany.com, Fansided.com, ProFootballWeekly.com. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. The Facebook page, go like the page, leave a comment, post whatever you want, as long as it is not obscene, as long as it is reasonably friendly. Remember, we want to make this a, a positive community for Packers fans. So go be a part of that. All of the shows will also be posted there. So if you're the kind of person that doesn't like to leave Facebook for any reason, all the shows are going to be there. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. All the shows at LockedOnPackers.com. All there for you so you can stay Locked on Packers.